Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast with your host, Jeff Nadu, the big man on campus. This college basketball guru, brash and unfiltered, he's got you covered in much more than sports, including music, movies, and the mob. Live guests, top-notch breakdowns, and as always, taking your phone calls. Live from the city of brotherly love, here's the big man on campus, Jeff Nadu. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. It is episode 15. It's Thursday, January 9th, 2020. Got a lot to get to tonight. We'll get to some NFL playoffs a little bit later. Got four games this weekend. We'll also talk to Mike Randall in just a little bit. We'll talk college hoops, see what happened tonight in uh, on the hardwood. Uh, we'll talk a little Mike Leach later. I want to get to that. Uh, and we'll take your phone calls on the hotline. You can call us anytime, 515-605-9349. Make sure you join us um, to uh, you know get your questions out there. You just want to check in, see how everything's going. Uh, whatever you want, uh, you can join us. Uh, Big Nine College Basketball tonight, a lot going on. We got some had some bad beats I want to go over. Uh, when Mike joins us, we got some uh, topics to get to. And we'll also take a quick look at a late game. Brigham Young has it on the road to take on St. Mary's up at Moraga. Uh, we'll break that one down as well. Hope you're all having a great day. It is very cold uh, in these uh, parts. Uh, it is in the 20s. It snowed last night. Uh, it's just been a weird uh, weather month, really. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I think this weekend it's supposed to be like high 50s. Like it's it's really odd. I mean, the weather anymore. You know, you don't. You know, wet, winter anymore is not like this. You know, it's not 20 degrees for two or three months. It's been like. 20 degrees for two or three days, and then it'll be 55, then it'll go back to 35, and it's just been a real weird uh, weather winter as far as that's concerned, but, um, you know, anymore, uh, weather in general is just weird. Uh, it seems like it doesn't get really freezing cold anymore. I know, you know, years ago, it was always, like I said, 20 degrees for three months, but not anymore, but let's get to the phone lines. Let's bring on our guest. Uh, he's been our Thursday guest for about a week now. Uh, we'll bring on our friend Mike Randall from the Action Network and Screen the Screener podcast. Mike, how you doing tonight? Big man, what's good, my man? Everything is going very well tonight. Yeah, good. Good to hear that. Uh, yeah, um, we're going to get to all of it. A lot going on in college hoops. Uh, we got a late game we can uh, touch on. We can uh, really kind of go all sorts of different ways here. I want to bring up uh, some of some culture changes at certain schools and how that's affected them. I also want to get to quickly tomorrow's game between uh, the Providence uh, Friars and the Butler Bulldogs. Interesting game up in Rhode Island and a couple teams on the rise from an ATS perspective. And we even get to Mike Randall's thoughts on uh, maybe some NFL. Mike, uh, how's uh, your night going so far? Night's going very well. Did a lot of research last night trying to increase my volume because you know you, you get the lines the night before, and I'm trying to cut them down. I usually get down to about 10 to 15, and then I cut them down and try to give out the top plays. And what I found was 
you know, that last step there as we're trying to turn it out really quick, you know, sometimes I'm picking the wrong game. So my attitude was I put the time in. I know the players. I know the teams. Let me do more volume tonight, and it's paid off. So far, it's doing real well. Good, good, good. Yeah, a couple of games are going on currently uh, that would just touch on Washington up 27-15 on Stanford. And why that's important, uh, Quade Green, who I was reporting today, uh, he is ineligible for the uh, – for the rest of the winter quarter. Now, if they get to the tournament, I do believe he can come back. But, you know, Quade's been kind of an interesting college player. I saw him play. Uh, he's from Philadelphia. He's from Southwest Philly. And I saw him when he was at Newman, uh, Goretti, uh, in South Philly. He uh, he played with Lamar Kimball, who's at uh, who's at the Louisville now, started at St. Joe's. Yeah, he was a McDonald's All-American. He was in the same class as, you know, like Mitchell Robinson, Lonnie Walker, those guys. And you know, played in the Jordan Brand Classic and had a really great high school career. But he went to Kentucky. It was kind of where he should go. I mean, he was one of the best players in the country, but never really found a role there. Uh, then he went out to Washington, really far from home. And I know for Quade, and, and I, from what I've heard, he has had some issues with, you know, just kind of being homesick and, and he misses, you know, the city. But you, know, you go out to Washington, it's a far cry from Philadelphia. Uh, definitely sucks to see, but you know, you got to get the grades uh, right. And in college, Mike, we know, I mean, you don't need a particularly great grade point average as an athlete to, uh, to be eligible, just kind of a, a concerning thing, but hasn't really bothered Washington tonight. They look real good early, great defensive effort from them tonight so far. Yeah. Yeah. Great defensive effort. And I, and I think that Hopkins really is benefiting what we talked about last time where people have roles, teams where players have roles, everyone is sort of acclimating there. And if you have a good X's and O's coach, that team can beat team with can win on the road and beat teams with better talent. So Stewart's been a man inside. I've been so impressed with him. Jade McDaniel's got a lot of the hype, but Stewart's been fantastic. Now tonight he got two fouls fairly quickly. They're still up ten right now at late in the first half. So Quade Green will hurt absolutely, but they will adjust. And with the big man Stewart and McDaniel's and Nas Carter on the wing, Bay right, they have a lot of depth here. So they're really sort of packing it in causing problems and controlling tempo. They hit their threes, like you saw in, in the, the uh, over the break against Houston. When they hit the threes, they're on fire. If they don't hit the threes, then they can struggle. That's why Houston came back on them. But very impressed with Washington. Hopkins does a great job. They're going to miss Quade, but I think they can overcome it. Yeah, one team that's playing really well tonight is Minnesota in the Big Ten. They uh, really could use a quad one win. Uh, Daniel Churu has looked really good uh, for uh, Richard Patino's group. They're down four at the half to Michigan State. And, you know, Cassius Winston's kind of been held at bay. He's only shooting two for eight. Uh, but Xavier Tillman's had a big game, 13 points and 12 boards in the first half. That's impressive. Uh, one other game uh, as well is just coming out of uh, the, the first half, uh, halftime. Uh, Oregon now has the lead uh, on Arizona. They were lucky to be only down two, but they seem to have caught fire quickly here, just about uh, 50 seconds in. So we'll keep track of that game. Gonzaga getting started out at uh, Jenny Craig Pavilion against the uh, Terreras of San Diego. One team over the years that has been a good road team is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. You know, but they have kind of struggled putting bad teams away. We'll see if – you remember last year, Mike, at times they were just rolling teams? Like just – it seemed like every night their scoring margin was like 30 points. Uh, one of my favorite covers last year was Washington up in Gonzaga because I loved Washington. I thought they had all the pieces. Listen, Gonzaga to me right now, them and Duke have sort of separated themselves in my mind. Great coach. Yeah. Everyone has a role and they can put points up on the board. But 
Remember, Gonzaga can be a little bit of a donut inside because Tilly to me is a little soft. He likes to go outside. He's always hurt. So they do have that weakness, whereas Duke has a phenomenal point guard and a phenomenal big man. So that's an advantage. But I think if you're going to get this Gonzaga team, you have to be able to contain their break. You have to be able to contain them on the threes. They've struggled the last couple games, Pepperdine, things like that. I think they roll tonight in one of my favorite arenas, big man, Jenny Craig Arena. Yeah, how can you not? Uh, how can you not uh, not like that? Yeah, you know, interesting point on Tilly. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you over the years. I mean, you look at all their bigs over the years. You know, whether it was Ronnie Turioff, Robert Sacre, Kelly Olynyk, Shemek Kornowski, You know, even like a Sam Dower type. Like they they've always kind of been tough kids. Even Sabonis, tough physical kids. You Tilly very Olay. Like he doesn't. Uh, he likes that kind of, he doesn't want to get physical, you know, no contact, kind of sit on the perimeter, you know, just kind of a, you know, he's not really your traditional four or five, but even last year with like Brandon Clark and those guys, like they all were kind of physical. They'll do, they'll get in the, the way and, and grab rebounds and swat shots. You know, he, he can do that, but he's definitely kind of flimsy. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to stay healthy. Um, Mike, well, you had yeah, a good and, read. And, and, I, Good, yeah, yeah and, and here's my point. Like Jonathan Williams was grabbing like 15 to 18 rebounds yeah. at times. You mentioned Brandon Clark. He's a man inside. Tilly had a knee procedure. I, maybe I'm being too basic here, but you have a knee procedure, you, and he was out for a while, and you're a big inside. I want to see you come back with some upper body strength. I mean, I want to see you working out. He looks thinner, rail thin. He can't. He's not a dribbler, right? So, I mean, I think he views himself as, yeah, I'll block a couple occasional shots, but I like to shoot the three. I think that's a big weakness for a team like Gonzaga where the hole is greater than the sum of the parts here. And, you know, you can take Kispert away. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good, but he's all, you know, like you need him to be a bigger presence than I think he is for this team to make a final four. I mean, they're going to have a successful season, but you want to get over the hump in the Elite Eight? Uh, Killing Tilly, what do you got for me? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. One call that I saw you had tonight, I want to kind of go over some games that have already completed, and then we'll just kind of quickly get over uh, BYU-St. Mary's. You know, I saw you mention that you thought West Kentucky would struggle from the field. And, you know, anytime you go to UAB, you've got to expect a good defensive performance from the Blazers, always a high-level group on that side of the ball. Um, but you look at really and, – and I want to make this clear. Over the years, I've – even in the last two, three years – I've been a big WKU guy. I love Basie. I love the kid. Um, and when he went down, I was so disappointed because last year they were probably a team that made me more money than any team. They just seemed to find ways to win coin flip games. And that's how it's been in the, in the conference USA over the years with some of these, you know, old Dominions and West Kentuckys and Marshalls. But, you know, you look at – you mentioned the efficiency. I mean, last game you only put 68 up on a bad Rice team. Tonight, you know, 62 – um, you know, they're full of guard play, but they just don't have a lot of consistency uh, on, you know, on, on the offensive side of the bar. You know, an ugly game for uh, Rick Stansbury's crew. you got to feel bad. They don't have a lot of depth. Uh, they've really been pulled as far as where do you go without Basie now. Uh, it sucks to see because I, I thought they, had, they could win that conference uh, going away. Yeah, the Basie, the Basie situation, you, you lose a player like that, initially you get fired up, right? And there's like an initial part where you overcome it. But I do think you regress. When you lose a player of that caliber, you do regress back. And I just thought it was going to happen. Here they are on the road playing a tough UAB team, like you said, that plays tough defense that really had uh, Memphis dead to rights, okay? And then they let him back in the game late, and they actually didn't cover, which infuriated me. But, like, that was my thought process is – 
Basie's gone. They're going to be able to handle it for a couple games, but now you're on the road against a tough defense in a UAB team. That just didn't add up for me. I, I thought it was worth a shot there. Yeah, no, it was a great call by you. Uh, it's tough to win on the road, uh, as uh, as we know. I, you know, I saw Oral Roberts went over the fucking total. Damn it. I like that over tonight. I don't know why I didn't play it. Fuck, man. A um, couple other games here. Bad beats, Mike. Um, did you see that Memphis-Wichita total beat? I mean, it was 70-60 to 60 with 50 seconds to go. Now, I have, I mean, one of my biggest, and if you're a better out there, you've, you've seen this before. What is the continued need to be fouling with 30 seconds to go down 10? I know Penny has the youngest team in the country. Uh, they're, 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 they're young. I mean, they're, they're most of these kids are 18. You know, somebody be 17, who knows, but uh, just a horrific beat 13 points in the final, like 45 seconds game goes over by one point, just a sickening beat. If you had the under in the Wichita Memphis game, did you see that one, Mike? Yeah, that was brutal. I lost a couple over unders with the same thing. Then I got a couple back because of late game fouling. I think if you're not handicapping your games, if you're thinking the game is going to be close, and when you cap it and you talk about totals, if you don't incorporate late game fouling, I, I think you have to do it. It frustrates me. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, I've seen teams put on man 15 points in a minute and a half at the end of the game. I get it. It's incredibly sure. frustrating. But I've sort of put it in there. If I think the game's going to be close and I see a lower total, you know, you, you look at your adjusted tempo, you look at your offensive efficiency, you look at trends last couple games, home away, how the team did in the last couple years at the location. And if all those numbers are close and you think the game's going to be close, it happens all the time. I just got incorporated. And on the flip side, I like looking at teams who are terrible free throw shooters, right? At home, I hate that. I hate betting teams who are terrible free throw shooters at home as underdogs because I feel like you need that. And on the flip side, if a team's been going against teams that, you know, for example, have made a lot of free throws against them, that to me is some bad luck. And I think there's going to be some regression. But yeah, I had a couple bad ones too, like one point things here and there, very frustrating. Yeah, if you shoot under sixty-five percent and you're betting on a team, you gotta, you, you almost gotta just say, you know what, I'm not gonna do it, uh, especially if you're gonna lay points. But there, you know how Ken Palm, uh, and shout out to Ken Palm, I know he listens to the show. Uh, Why well, he doesn't listen to the show, but if he does, shout out to him. You know, Mike, how he has uh, two foul participation, which basically, in, in a short group of words, is that's how often, like, let's say a player gets two fouls early. Two-foul participation would be how often the coach allows that player to keep playing. So, you know, some coaches like Virginia. Virginia, if you get two fouls early, he will sit you for most of the first half. They're, I think two-foul participation, they're one of the, the lowest in the country. Yeah, but then you have guys that will take shots. I wish Ken Palm had a metric of, like, how often a team fouls in the last two minutes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you yeah. calculate it, but. Yeah, you know, there something... are, co- I, you know. I found that I like the in-game spot with that too. So if I'm betting a team and I see a guy gets two fouls, I'm often banging the in-game line because you need to know who's going to sit. So like when Jaden McDaniels decides to go nuts and throw a ball off somebody's head when he's sitting <laughs> sitting on the bench, right, and he gets banged with a tee, if Stewart then goes in and gets two fouls right away, most coaches are going to sit him. Very few are going to do that. So you can really take advantage if you do some in-game stuff. But they're, gonna, they're so conservative right now. 
they're not going to do it. They rely on those players. They have systems, specific systems tailored to their offense. And so very few are going to play him. Arkansas is a team that's going to play him because, honestly, they rely. So you get a guy like a Mason Jones or Isaiah Joe, they're going to stay on the floor because he needs them. So I think it's a great point, man. Like, you got to know the coach's tendency. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of an advantage there, which helps you with it when you're capping. couple of teams that do keep the players on the court when they get two fouls. Georgia Tech leads the country. Josh Pastner does not sit players generally. He trusts the players basically to, to kind of be able to, to battle through. Washington, we talked about them. They're fourth in the country. Uh, San Francisco, um, Merrimack, who I've talked about Merrimack. They're an interesting team. They get another win tonight. Uh, Joe, uh, um, Joe Gallo up at Merrimack. They're a new basketball team. They're playing some good basketball. They play a zone up there and some bothering opponents. He's a guy that uh, doesn't rest people. Uh, Minnesota, they keep players. And so, you know, make sure you understand, as Mike said, the coaching tendencies of a team. And, you know, when you have a team like uh, like Kansas State and Belmont are two of the lowest in the country, they – if they get a, uh, two fouls quickly, you won't see those guys till till the second half. Generally, that's just what they do. So, you make sure you understand. Like, if you're looking at Ken Palm, you don't understand what these things are. You know, you need to go and, and understand what they are because some of it is, you know, really important. Something like a minutes continuity metric or you know stuff like that. That stuff can really help you as you you know, get into the tournament and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, and just click on it. A lot of the time, it'll just tell you what it is if you read it. Uh, Mike, a couple other uh, thoughts here. Mi- Michigan uh, beats Purdue, 84-78, another horrible beat. Um, if you had five, five and a half, uh, four even, uh, four and a half, I mean, Purdue should have won this game in regulation. I mean, some bad possessions uh, late. I know in the first overtime they had the ball with 20 seconds to go, just a jacked-up three, which didn't happen. Ugly Ugly loss for Purdue. They got the scoring up. They they did some good things. Trevian Williams had a huge night, uh, but uh, it all goes for, to waste. Michigan without Isaiah Livers, big win for Jawan Howard and crew. Yeah, it is, and the Livers injury was key. I'm, I put that on Twitter. I was laughing. That, that's why I think if you nail the under, right, by, I don't know, eight points, ten points, you know, prior to overtime, and it goes to overtime, why can't we surrender like in blackjack and get our bet back? Because that was my read on this game. It went up to about 130, 130 and a half, and I, that's what I figured. I figured they would slow it down. No livers is going to hurt them. By the way, enough with Matt Harms. you got to get Travion Williams on the floor more. The guy is a beast down low. He rebounds. Yeah. He does a great job. And you can attack Michigan. That's one of the areas you can attack them. Um, like a game we'll talk about soon. I, I thought Ch- Yoni Childs could attack St. Mary's down there. You know but, who? Uh, you know who he reminds me of? Trevion Williams, Caleb Swanigan. Live. Excellent, excellent comparison. Excellent comparison. I like. And yeah, that's that's exactly right. And they, you know, I was happy because I had five. But you're right. They should have won that game. And then somebody asked me, hey, I'm curious your take on this. So you got your Big Ten right. You got 14 teams in the Big Ten right now. Over under. I got this on Twitter. Is like nine and a half teams to make the tournament. So the question is, how would you take the over under on that? Like it's hard to envision except for the ACC a bunch of years ago, teams getting so many you know, teams in, but what would you take there? 14 teams in the big 10, right? So nine and a half, would you take the over or under right now on that? Well, let me, let me look here. Okay. So Michigan, Michigan state are locks. Um, Purdue, I would imagine is a lock. That's three Penn state's in four, Ohio State five, uh, Wisconsin six, Maryland seven, 
Minnesota. I think Minnesota, I were kind of fringe teams. Yep. I would probably go under, frankly. See, I went, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I went under, I said no to Northwestern. I said yeah, no, no to Iowa. I said no to Minnesota. I said no to Nebraska. And I'll tell you, I said no to Purdue because here's my thought. Somebody what about Illinois? Right? Are they a tournament team? I, I kind of like Illinois. I, I Yeah, I Illinois is on the bubble. I kind of think they're going to make it. I think Rutgers is going to make it. So I kind of thought that, you know, Purdue nine and seven, two and three in conference. Like I, I could see it being like a seven and nine ish sort of year for them, but yeah, pick your poison. Illinois, Rutgers, and Purdue. I don't think all three are making it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think you know you could also make it an interesting. You could actually talk, have an interesting conversation about what about who's the best big in this conference, right? You have, you know, Trevion Williams, John Teske, Garza, Cockburn. I mean. It, Wesson, I mean, that's a that's a great conference for bigs. I mean, uh, you know, Micah Potter's starting to play well for uh, for oh, uh, Wisconsin. I mean, that's a really good conference for this. Is, I think this is the best basketball conference in the country. Yeah, you yeah, SEC's down a little bit. I used to bang the drum for the SEC because it was underappreciated because people think it's a football conference. But this year, man, the Big Ten is back. Absolutely. I don't see how you can't say Garza after the 44-point performance against Michigan. I mean, right now, if it ends, you could make an argument he's a first-team All-American. You, you could make that argument. But there's a lot of good big guys. And at home in Illinois, Coburn's tremendous. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good bigs here. Breaking news. Uh, according to Greg Rubel, who's the voice of the BYU Cougars, Joelle Childs will not be available for Brigham Young. Uh, major loss uh, for them. Uh, but, hey, I, you know, I got to tell you, and, uh, you know, shout out to – look, I don't do a lot of shout outs in here. It's not my thing. You know, I, I feel like if I respect you, I respect you, and you probably know it. Like, I respect Mike Rando. I respect Three Men Weave, you know, all the guys you see on here. Um, Preston Johnson, Sports Cheetah. Great info from him. You know, he he was dead on with that. You know, he mentioned that early today. I mean, about noon, noon or one o'clock, he mentioned that. Uh, and it was dead on the money. I mean, you, you know, sometimes you get Twitter info, you never you never really love it, but uh, really good info from him. And yeah, according to Rubel, who, who again is the voice of the Cougars, an open dislocation of the right index finger. That's rough. Um, it's funny too. Did you hear uh, Mark Pope's a little uh, presser he did at the side of the court, Mike? Did you hear that or no? Yeah, he made it. The one he made it seem like it was not a big deal, right? He kind of downplayed yeah, he, it. And he like made a joke. He's like, "Well, I can't say this because I'm at Brigham Young now, so I can't really talk about finger banging or or whatever." It's like, <laughs> all right, right. I, he <laughs> like he made like a joke about. It. He's like, "Yeah, well, yeah, he'll be fine." It's like. He said though he said something like he'll like what what did he say it was like uh, he'll probably be fine or something so I don't think he really actually knew but um, he's taking I'll yeah. tell you right now he's take, he's taking a book out of Kevin Willard or in Seton Hall when he's telling us Powell isn't playing and he's dropping thirty six at home against Michigan State or whatever Listen, I will say I'll that, tell you right now if you trust coaches to tell you that a guy's going to play or not you might as well, you know, rip your ticket up because you're right. I mean, the Big East is notorious for that. I mean, I remember uh, uh, New Year's Eve, Mac McClung. I mean, you kind of feel like if you just guess, you'll be you'll be more right than what they give you as far as info. Like, I'll say this. I'll say this right now, man, about BYU tonight. I'm huge on the BYU bandwagon. I think they're tremendous. I think they match up well with Gonzaga. I've been impressed when they beat Houston. They should have had the Utah game. They went in overtime. Childs had just come back. This is what I'll say. 
this is St. Mary's game tonight, obviously, right? But if BYU either loses close, and I'll define close by less than five because of the spread, (laughs) or they somehow win this game, watch out, because it would be such a boost. But this is devastating, because Charles was preseason player of the year in WCC, inside, outside, rebounding. He went toe-to-toe. Nikwesi out, Noah Roberts came and challenged him, but he went toe-to-toe with him. I'll tell you, right now it's a free roll for BYU. They lose by 20. They didn't have Childs. They somehow win or keep yeah. it closer win, you know, big big game. Yeah, I, I guess for me with them, I mean, you know, he has been so important to what they do. I mean, you, know, you look at so far, I mean, I, I think he's averaging 10 boards a game, like 20 points a game. And, and I think for, for me in this game, you mentioned Houston, which, you know, Houston's a good basketball team. But I think one thing about Houston I'm, I'm not real worried about, I mean, they, they don't really have – that behemoth play. Like, remember they had that kid, Breon Brady, last year? He was like a – he was a big tank. He was like 6'8", yep. like 240, like big kid. You know, you look at St. Mary's, I and mean, St. Mary's is some real big kids. I mean, it would have been nice to have him, but um, it's just a tough thing to do going on the road. I'm not a big fan of Brigham Young outside of, you know, without Childs, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's definitely a big loss. But, Mike, let's take a phone call. This guy's been hanging on. Uh, a couple guys have been hanging on. Uh, let's get to the uh, phone lines. You want to take some calls, Mike? You go with that, and then we'll get into some other let's things. Let's go. Heck yeah. All right. Go. Uh, all right, go ahead, caller. You're live. Hello? What's up, man? Hey, yeah, sorry, Jeff. Uh, yeah, been following you for a while now on Twitter. I don't know. Is, is this just college basketball you guys are talking about right now? Or you guys talk you can about talk about whatever. Yeah, whatever. Ah, uh, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. I saw you know I saw your Twitter post, so that's why I called in. But uh, just I watched you know I watched the Sixers fan, watched the Sixers game tonight. Obviously, you know you're a Sixers fan. Um, but I know like listen, I know your hatred for Brett Brown. I'm with you. I'm, I'm more on your side of this than not. Just to be real with you, like I'm more on the like let's get rid of Brett Brown than anything. Yeah. But you know the Sixers, the Sixers come out tonight. They have a nice effort, you know what I mean? They have a nice effort. They come out, they win the game uh, against Boston. Like, what, what what does that do for you? I almost think that, like, my thought is like this. Like, Brett Brown, like, early on, obviously, the players, he had scrubs to play with, and they were trying to lose, so they were losing games. Now, the last couple of years, he's had great players to play with, and in my opinion, somewhat underachieved. So, like, even in games like Someone. tonight, like yeah, he's got great he's got great players. So like, you could you, he could be in the locker room and they're still going to win games, right? With these players that they have. So like, oh, yeah, they, I mean, beat, I, I, they, yeah, they beat the Bucks. They beat the Bucks on Christmas, whatever. They yeah, but, win tonight, but, like right. It, listen, so, uh, at the end of the day, it really doesn't. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change. It, yeah. What it does is it papers over the cracks of the long-term problems this team's going to have. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't care what they do in the regular season. You can make the eat. They yeah. could. They could. They could lose sixty percent of their games and, and get to the playoffs. It, all that matters is, can they go past the second round in the playoffs? And I don't think they right. can. I, I just don't. I don't care about some random game in December. Um, I'll be right. honest. Whenever I see a big player go out of a game, you know, before the game, I generally will back that team. It's a general rule of thumb that if a player goes out in the NBA, back the team anyway. Other players will step up and have bigger games, and and they did. I mean, Al Horford was a lot more fluid tonight. Listen, at the end of the day, they still don't have shooters. At the end of the day, they still turn the ball over way too much. At the end of the day, they have a coach that is a complete imbecile. So until they fix that that stuff – 
And, and the problem with this team going forward is people talk about Joel Embiid will come back. He will come back eventually, but as usual, Joel Embiid's hurt. And this medical staff's a bunch of imbeciles. So, I, you know, this could turn into 7 to 10 weeks or, or 8 to 12 weeks. Um, he might not be the same player by the end of the season. So does it do anything for me? No, not really. Uh, win games uh, in the in the uh, playoffs. Because, again, it really doesn't matter. You look at Brett Brown. I mean, coming into the season, he was horrific against these types of teams. Yeah, you know, this year they're finding yeah. ways to win, but they never, then they'll lose to they the never Wizards. Beat Boston. They, they never beat Boston before t- this year. Yeah. That's what surprised me. They, ne- they could never beat this team. Remember that? They could never beat this team. Now all of a sudden they can yeah. beat them every time, but I still have the same doubt. Even they they can beat Boston, I just have more doubts about Boston maybe. But they can beat they beat Boston every time. They could never beat them before, but I still have the same doubts. The, the team just seems soft in this, in a way. I, there's something about the team they just seem kind of soft. As yeah. good as they are, as much talent as there is, the team seems soft. You know, I've gone through. I'm a huge Flyers fan. I went. I yeah I'm the guy kept repeating himself time and time again. Thanks for the call, brother. But I mean, <laughs> Mike, did, was. Was I wrong to say the guy like kept saying the same stuff over and over? No, I give him credit though. You got you got a little NBA in there. We got some some variety. I'm a yeah, Bucks guy. Yeah. I just want to say right now. So I'm 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 a Bucks man through and through. So that's my team. Yeah. Well, look, the Bucks are really good. Uh, and, and and thanks for the call. Uh, I I didn't catch that guy's name, but yeah. Look, I, d- does it you know, to answer his question? No. Like I said, it does not really do much for me. Um, I, I don't think they can win with Brett Brown as the head coach. It's just my opinion. Uh, let's take another one here. Uh, you're uh, you're live caller. What's up? Hi guys, how are you? Good. What's your name? All right, my name is Mike. Uh, up, calling in. I, I wanted to say I'm a big fan of. Uh, been a big fan of Mike Randall stuff for a long time, so it's a pleasure to uh, listen to you guys and, and have me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no problem. If you don't mind, I have, I have a I have a two part uh, question for you. Number one, I'm looking at some odds on FanDuel, um, and they have an interesting um, you know prop bet as far as college basketball goes. I'm piggybacking off a conversation you guys had about the Big Ten and how many teams uh, you know can possibly get into the tournament from the Big Ten. There's a bet out there that says pick the pick the conference of the eventual national champion. Is it a sucker bet? Do you think to take the Big Ten? Uh, they're they're leading the odds, by the way, at plus two hundred, just because of the amount of teams that they can get in, or do you not see uh, any teams of the you know the amount that you get in could really push for a for a national championship? What do you guys think about that's that a, bet? That's a pretty fascinating question, Mike. I'll let you start with that. That's a that's that's a good question. Actually. Well, I appreciate the follow there from that gentleman. That's good. And, and what I'll say is this. Big Ten, if you just want to go by the numbers, I mean, can you really go wrong statistically if you're getting that many teams in? But what I like about the Big Ten is they have some teams that can make a run, that has what we talked about, that structure with the point guard and the center. Like, for example, would it be the craziest thing in the world to see Illinois make a run? No, it wouldn't. Would it be crazy to see like a team like a Penn State with Stevens and the big man and Watkins and the three-point shooters? You know, so not only – it's not a sucker bet at all because, number one, the volume of teams, and more importantly, they have enough of those nebulous teams that can shoot the three, that have all the pieces that can get hot. Because I don't know about you, Jeff. I don't think this is going to be a year where we have like one, one, two, and five in the final four. I think there's going to be some upsets. So if you're looking Open. for like a six, a six seed from the Big Ten – Absolutely. This is a team, uh, Wisconsin could make a run, teams that have cut their teeth on a tough conference that have like a Syracuse, right, where they always sneak in, everybody says they shouldn't be in, make a run. Absolutely. I I think that's a good bet. I I think um, an interesting team kind of on that same wavelength, I I would look at the Big East, uh, nine to one, eight, eight and a half to one round there. 
I think Seton Hall, I mean, we talked about it last night with Matt Cox and three-man weave. We kind of talked about Kevin Willard and, and their seemingly issues with getting to the tournament and losing in game one or two. But this team seems different. They seem physical. I mean, you throw, obviously, like a Butler in there, Villanova. Um, yeah, I think, you know, a team like, you know, we'll talk about Providence down the road. They seem kind of interesting. They always get it going around tournament time, Marquette. Um, there's a lot of teams there that I think can make a run. But, yeah, I, I think Mike's on to something there with the Big Ten as well. And if you, and if you don't mind, with a follow-up, I'm glad you mentioned the Big East. I am a Villanova alum, actually. Uh, watched every game for about the last 20, 25 years. I cannot remember a team that, that shoots the ball as poorly as this Villanova team this year. Yeah. Now, maybe I'm only talking about a recent bias with the Kansas game. and You know, they shot their way back into the Creighton game after seemingly shooting their way out of it. Do you think this is something that Jay Wright can get fixed, or do you think he's going to have to change his game plan of you know launching from threes and that having to find something to do different with this team given the, the shooting struggles of late? Yeah, I mean they only have two guys over thirty six percent. I mean you know Cole Swatter doesn't play a ton of minutes, but you know Gillespie's starting to get going a little bit. He'd probably be my favorite shooter they have there, but yeah, it definitely is a really low level shooting team, and they take a ton of threes. I mean. Three points to field goal attempts is quite high. I mean, they're a pretty good offense in general, but yeah, Mike, he's right. I mean, Virginia or uh, Villanova's three-point shooting is definitely not uh, very good this year, comparable to other years. I saw ESPN came out with something named Jay Wright, the coach of the decade. He does a superior job. They were dead and buried in that Creighton game. They were down like 14, 12 points, whatever it was. And he has a bunch of guys here who know their roles. He gets like a Robinson Earl, Samuels, those sort of guys step up. And Gillespie's played very well. He played well. I remember in Kansas last year, he played very well. So, yeah, you, if you coaching matters. Coaching really does matter to me. So there's those handful of guys that you have to pay attention to. And Jay Wright's right at the top, which is funny because if you go back like a decade, you know this better than anybody, Jeff. Like, he was going to be run out of town after a while because he wasn't, you know, yeah. winning in the tournament, but that's gone. It reminds me back in the 80s of, like, Tom Osborne, who was coaching Nebraska. He takes Nebraska. They get to the, to the championship game. All he's got to do is tie, and they win the national title. He goes for two. They don't get it. He's chastised in Nebraska, then he wins two titles. Jay Wright is so good as a coach that, yeah, I, I, don't, I think they can overcome it, even though the three-point shooting's been spotty. I will say, though, and, and I, I'll be interested, Mike, who I'm talking to the caller, I, I'll be interested to see what you think about this. I mean, you follow Villanova hoops probably more than both Mike and I do. I, I keep track pretty closely being in the Philly area. But I will say on the coaching angle, I, I'm concerned with his level of – not being able to develop big time recruits. And I'm talking I'm not talking about Mike Nardi and guys like that that he's grabbing from Philadelphia area and you know the the Colin Gillespie types. I'm talking about the Brian Antoines, the the Javon Quinterleys, the guys that are the guys that are big time recruits. I mean outside of Scotty Lewis, Brian Antoine was the second best shooting guard in this class last year. He was an all American. I mean, the kid has been completely completely non-existent I and you, right. you, know, you saw Quinterly right. last year transfer I mean what I don't understand his issue recently with these big time players maybe you should just yeah. stick to four-star guys in, in Philadelphia <laughs> area it's funny and I was actually just talking about it with some of my uh college buddies the other day this guy Jeremiah Robinson Earl that they have you looked at mock yeah. drafts before the year started he was supposed to be like a lottery pick um you know and, and big guys in his system don't necessarily you know, make make names for themselves. Amari Spellman was a was a different case. Um, 
you know, yeah. drafted by the by the Hawks and everything. But um, you know, even with a Robinson Earl guy, I think the Quinterly example was different. I think you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking with any certainty here, but he had a little attitude problem. And Jay Wright is the yeah. kind of guy that's going to make you earn your stripes before he just puts you out there. Um, Antoine sure. did have a shoulder thing. What I gather, what I read from, you know, Villanova Chronicles and everything like that, for some reason, Villanova's offense, it may not seem complex to the average viewer, but it seems like a complex system, a lot of moving parts, a lot. There's, there's not a lot of set plays. So there's a lot of reading and reacting off of stuff that happens on the court. And it just seems like a guy like Antoine, maybe who missed the first month of practice, uh, but just watching from the sideline, it seems like it's, the game's moving a little too fast for him. If you do notice, too, when Antoine does get in the game, he jacks up a shot like the first time he touches it, and it just you look at Jay right on the sideline, and he goes irate, you know. And maybe that's why there's a quick trigger there a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly it's it's you know he's going to be a work in progress. Maybe he works his way back into rotation. It just seems like in the early going, it's he's not going to be a guy that they're going to count on for much, you know, early in the year. So a strength of theirs right. was going to be maybe going nine, ten deep. That bench looks awfully short now, you know, with with Antoine not being in the case, and you know. Um, yeah, it surely you know, does. Like good good call, Mike. Good hey, stuff, I appreciate you guys taking the call. Great pod. Yep, see ya, buddy. Uh, yeah, just to build on one other thing, I, you know, Mike, we see it all the time with with some of these kids. You know, they get a maybe a draft grade that might have them in the first round, and they they take a leap. I, you know, I hope Robinson Earl. You know, I, I I'm a big draft guy. I would, and again, it's hard to forecast this now, but you know, I would think he's a late first round. And again, I, it could change, but you know, if he's a guy that's kind of a fringe first rounder, I, I would hope he comes back for another year. I think he could do well under another year under Jay Wright's system. It, I think it's something he can kind of develop in. But you see all these kids, and I, I saw, I think it was John Rothstein posted the other day about all these kids that are just in the G League, and you know, I know you can make money, obviously, but um, you know, it'd probably be nice to see them back. And I'm sure if they could do it different, they would come back for another year. I've argued about this on social media for years. I don't understand the idea that somebody would leave to be drafted in the second round and then yeah. go to the G League and hop back and forth. I, I, I think we're forgetting that these are kids. Like if this is if my kid, do I want my kid at 19 years old hopping back and forth from the G League as a second round pick? My point is this. If you're going to go and you're going to be a top pick, I get it. Okay, I, I mean, I get it. You're a top pick. You can get injured. You never know. Draft stock can go down. But if you're a marginal first rounder and you're not sure, why not come back? A, a marginal guy, that is. Like, it, you know, people are like, well, but suppose he doesn't do well. Well, don't you bet on yourself? Like, if you're get leaving and you're leaving as a second round pick and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the G League. I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to do this. I remember going to the Bucks game. A good friend of mine works for the Bucks, and I was out there and I was seeing Jakob Pertl, right? sitting on the bench. Yeah. I forget who they were playing. He was maybe his Spurs or whoever it was. And he's sitting there like two years after. And I'm going, this guy came out and, and I get why he came out, but this is, could, this could be a kid who's like 19, who's not nearly as good. Now Pirtle's playing. It's fine. But I just think you have to understand if you're a kid, you're going to go, you're going to sit for three years. You're going to go back and forth between Sioux Falls. You're going to have to go across the country to Jingsu Monkey King and play. And if you're okay with that, then that's fine. But I think, man, they come out thinking they're going to crack the starting lineup at the age of 19. And then when they get a dose of reality, I think a lot of them wish they would have stayed in college. 
Yeah, a, a guy that I, I mentioned, um, I wasn't really high on coming out. I didn't really see his position in the NBA. And I thought he could have benefited from coming back and kind of had that, you know, having that last swan song. You know, a guy like Kyle Guy at, at Virginia, like I, how good could, how much could they use him right now? I mean, he comes back. He's the big guy. You know, Jerome's gone, so he's kind of the guy at Virginia. I mean, he's I mean, he hasn't done anything at Sacramento. I mean, he had a, a decent summer league, but um, yeah, you see it all the time. I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily just saying him, but you see so many kids that you know they don't even you know they don't they don't they don't do anything at the next level really. Um, all right, Mike, uh, let's uh, take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll, we'll go over some teams that. Uh, are kind of, you know, rolling right now, teams maybe to avoid, and maybe some teams that are making Mike's uh, uh, best bets uh, as money cashers right now. I'll give you a couple as well. Mike, I have a couple small teams to keep your eye on. We'll get back to that in just a second. Stick with us. We'll be back here on the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. Are you looking for fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics, too. Leave it to me. Leave it to my opinion. The Big Men on Campus. I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Dottie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubSportsRadio.com. I am the big man on campus, a.k.a. Jeff Nader. Hope you're having a great Thursday evening wherever you are. Uh, Mike, uh, before we get into some of this Kyle Troops quick stuff quick, I do want to ask you, uh, Mike Leach headed to Mississippi State. Um, I got to tell you, man, the, the SEC is, I mean, it's terrific already, but it's only going to get better. Mike Leach and Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin, um, the pirate is heading to uh, to Mississippi State, and you know, good for him. I mean, I, I feel like the cupboard had kind of run dry at Washington State. We heard him in the uh, kind of the late in the season whining about, you know, he, you know, it's not getting enough recruits and all the, you know, he, he seemingly can't ever beat Washington. So, uh, Mike, uh, you're not a big college football guy, are you? I mean, I am to a certain extent about the recruits, but my brain can only take so much. So I really am NFL, college basketball, and then I get into the college football when we get to draft. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Mike uh, Leach uh, does in the SEC. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who his quarterback is. Garrett Schrader obviously will be the, the guy to be that. But, uh, Mike, a couple of things with the college basketball, just some things kind of one team going one way, one team going another. UNC is uh, – is going a, a negative way, and, and there's a real possibility this group might not make the playoffs. Um, you know, Roy Williams had some. I got to be honest; I mean, he's pretty, pretty. Pathetic. 
pathetic comments, frankly. Uh, I, I guess Roy Williams, is it okay for him to say that kind of stuff? I mean, wh- what was he thinking with that? I, why, why say that sort of thing? Uh, uh, I mean, you mean uh, old Roy, old Roy down in UNC? I, I mean, listen, I, I think he's trying to motivate his guys. They're going the wrong way. Really frustrating for him. I don't even know if Cole Anthony, you think Cole Anthony even come back for this? No, we actually talked about that last night. A caller called in and asked us, asked us that, and me and Matt Cox basically agreed that there was virtually no chance. But, you know, Roy Williams basically said, you know, this is his least gifted team he's ever had. Um, they're not a very gifted group. I mean, disappointed. I, I, I mean, I'm all for, like, trying to motivate your team, and it did really work because they got beat by Pittsburgh the other night. But, um, listen, maybe Roy should take a look at the mirror. And all due respect to him and – you know, I, I know he's won a lot of games. I know he's closing in on, on like, records and stuff. But, you know, you put Roy Williams on, you know, a, a decent uh, Division One team, and he, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fraud. I mean, the guy's a, a horrible X and O coach. He's just lucky that he's gotten, you know, the best players over the years. He's built a great system there. And that is part of coaching, but I don't think he can hold a fucking candle to, like, actual X and O coaches. I don't think he knows anything about running plays and getting a team prepared for games. He just always has the best teams. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, he does the secondary break and listen, he's won three titles there. Dean Smith won two, you know, so say what you want. He's been successful. He had success in Kansas, but they thought he couldn't get over the hump. But listen, I, I think you have to start wondering whether Roy still has it because the book on him was always great year, then rebuilding year. Great year, rebuilding year. Now it's been a couple years in a row, and he's fallen behind there in the ACC, certainly behind Duke, Virginia. Max got Louisville going now. So you have a lot of other teams, NC State's nipping at his heels. So a lot of teams there, very frustrating. I love old Roy. He did win three. I give him a lot of credit for that. He has a good, He's a great recruiter. He has a system to a certain extent. I understand the X's and O's. But you know what? At this point, Roy, I'm worried if he can get it back because with Cole Anthony and normally he has the bigs, right? Like Meeks and Hicks and those guys. And he follows behind a couple, you know, major players, but point guards that is. But for years, it's always been when he gets into the tournament, you know, he wasn't going to bonk. You know, you never see North Carolina go out in round one, round two, very rarely. Now he may even miss the whole tournament. That's a problem. Yeah, it is. Uh, one team that is going in the right direction is the West Virginia Mountaineers. And I, I did a I did a blog today for PubSportsRadio.com, who I uh, I just talked about in that commercial. Go check them out. A lot of great uh, content there, a lot of good niche stuff, You know, a lot of UFC and soccer. Uh, my partner, Donnie Wrightshead, does some stuff over there as well. Um, I talked in that column today about how good West Virginia looks defensively. You look at last year – Gave up 77.4 points a game this year, just a tick above 60 and a half. They have been absolutely elite on that side of the ball. They have the number two three-point defense in the country, number one in effective field goal percentage defense. I think you make the case this is the best defense in the country. And I did a little kind of looking into the personnel. I mean, last year, you know, just had a lot of negativity on this roster. You know, Beetle Bolden and Issa Ahmed and – you know, uh, Sagaba Kanate, and just, there were some guys that were just kind of negative and just didn't really, you know, Ahmed seemingly never played and it was just kind of a weird dynamic. Seems like Huggins has the personnel this year and this team seems to be really bought into what they're doing down there. Uh, it's nice to see when Morgantown has 
success, it's good. I mean, and you look at this team, I mean, as far as bench minutes, seventh in the country, uh, they're not the oldest team. You know, they don't do a ton, but they're big, they rebound, and they defend their asses off. They're not going to win any 88-87 games, Mike, but in this conference, I mean, they can defend the hell out of the basketball. Kudos to Bob Huggins for taking a team that doesn't have great guards and is dominated by bigs and coming up with a style that's effective. I mean, the guys lost two games, just the St. John's away game by two, and then the Kansas game where he certainly battled and he covered. So kudos to him. That was a nice win at Oak State, okay, because it's a road win. I know Oak State's, you know, really suffering and, and, and likely isn't really back to full strength after the mono. But he ch- how many coaches do you know, man, that could totally change their style, what they're comfortable with, and win? And that's what he's doing. Yeah, no, he really has. He's a, he's a great coach. I mean, I, I think outside of Beard, he's, he's definitely right there in that conference as far as best coaches. He's been terrific. It'll be interesting to see how far they can go. Um, you know, by the way, shout out to John Rothstein, who's Mr. College Basketball. He still hasn't put out that ULE Childs is out tonight. Great great call, John. Uh, John's too worried about those uh, stupid John Rothsteinisms that he puts out every night. Uh, by the way, as well, James Holtzauer lost in the Jeopardy thing tonight, I believe. Oh, did he? By the way, wow. is, is there anything more douchey than that guy? That guy's the worst. I mean, he's the absolute worst. I can't stand that guy. He, he he literally, Mike, makes my blood boil. I, I hate him. I can't stand the guy. Hey, you know what, man? The guy wins. There's nothing we can do. The guy wins. He didn't he's win tonight, though. He's the fucking worst. He's the worst. I, I guess according I, – I, maybe I'm wrong here. I, from what I understand, I thought it was three games, but I guess it's not over. But I guess Ken Jennings, like, killed it tonight, supposedly. But I don't know. I just can't stand this guy. But let's go to the phone lines. We got a guy waiting here. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're up. Hey guys, Jeff in LA. What up, man? How are you guys? Uh, Pretty good. Thanks for touching on Ruck- Rutgers basketball, my favorite. Mike, I know you like them. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Rutgers. They've done a great job there with Peichel. I mean, great home court advantage. And winning the other night without Geo Baker, that was a nice win over Penn State. That was incredible. I think uh, I think they destroy Illinois this weekend. Um, I'm looking at. Uh, Tonight's game, St. Mary's BYU. I know that's a big loss for BYU. You think St. Mary's uh, holds court home easy? Uh, I don't. Th- I don't know if it'll be easy. I mean, I, I think they. I'm. I for one think they're kind of a tough matchup for BYU. I know Mike disagrees, but. I don't know. I mean, Moraga is such a tough place to play. I mean, it's one of those great small college basketball conference. You know, college basketball atmospheres. It's a tough trip. I mean, any any road game's tough in, in conference, but you know, Jordan Ford has just been so electric. I think Malik Fitz could have a big game. Um, it just seems like St. Mary's. Let me ask you, Mike, do you think that this is the – I mean, St. Mary's has some great teams over the years. I mean, a couple of years ago they had that um, – one of my favorite teams ever with Omar Samhan and uh, Delvadova and that group. Randy Bennett, I mean, he deserves some credit for the teams he's put out over the years. He's as good as a recruiter as anybody. Oh, totally agree. Omar, Omar Sam, man, I was betting on him and making a lot of money. They beat Nova there. I'm yelling to feed the big man. He's got to eat. Randy Bennett does a great job. WCC has long been a conference that people ignore, quite frankly, because there's an East Coast bias. 
um, which there shouldn't be. But Gonzaga has done a great job. BYU's legit. St. Mary's, remember, they were the ones who ended up beating Gonzaga. Gonzaga was beating St. Mary's. Then St. Mary's went into Gonzaga with Jock Landell inside and won. So Bennett does a great job. There's a lot of great coaches, especially out in WC. And they they still got robbed uh, from the tournament a few years in a row. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, but that has a lot to do with their poor. I mean, their scheduling's been laughable. I mean, not this year though. I mean, they they, they played some tough games. You know, they played Dayton. They played. They, they're not going to have to worry about scheduling this year. They're, they'll be in. Uh, Mike, you know, you want to give kind of your your ultimate. You know, what do you think goes on in this game tonight? What I think is this. I I think BYU is valiant because they played without Childs for most of the year. So I do not think this is going to be a St. Mary's blowout. And BYU defends the three very, very well. I think it's close. I'm going to think it's it's under five points. I really do. In the end, I guess you have to pick St. Mary's without Childs. But I do not think BYU gets blown out tonight. I think they rally. I think they're very talented. they got to make some shots, but they defend the three well. They're going to push the pace anyway. And I think if they can just hold down Fitz, who's really the X factor because Ford's tremendous, hold down Fitz, limit him, and hit some threes, I think they can still cover tonight. And if by some way they win this game, it's a huge win. So I will take St. Mary's in a close win tonight is what I think is going to happen. Got it. Appreciate it. Love the show, you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, brother. Take it easy. Uh, yeah, and for the record, I, I think I think St. Mary's wins. I think they pull away. They actually last year they take they took care of business against Brigham Young, and that was with Yoeli Childs. Uh, they beat them up in Moraga. I think it was like eighty-eight, sixty-two. I, I don't think it's going to be that tonight, but I think offensively they'll do some good things. Obviously, I think the bigs are going to have big games and. Jordan Ford's the best player on the court, so I'll go like seventy-one, sixty-two, something like that. Um, I think I think the offense struggles tonight without uh, without Childs. They've just been kind of used to him at this point. Uh, Mike, um, I want to ask you a couple of things. Uh, I wanted to throw out a couple just some teams that for listeners to keep their eyes on. Uh, I mentioned earlier St. Peter's. I've been talking about them. Seven and zero against the spread as an underdog this year. They are very good in that role. Cover again tonight against the. Um, against the Siena Saints. Uh, Yale is the best ATS team in the country to keep your eye on. And two teams that one has got a player back that I think people need to start paying attention to, Cal State Northridge, uh, this Mastodon, Matadors team, uh, they've won four or five. I'll take out the two NIAIA teams, but um, they beat up Long Beach State last night, put up 93 against Morgan State the other night. You know, they're going to win some games in that conference. Lamine Diane is terrific. Uh, they play with a really nice pace. If they could just figure out the defense a little bit, uh, they're going to outscore a lot of teams. So keep your eye on uh, Cal State Northridge. Uh, and another team that um, I think tonight uh, covered again, uh, St. Francis of PA. Uh, they're a team to keep your eye on as well. Had a 50-point second half against uh, Wagner tonight. Uh, that is a good basketball team as well. Really good three-point shooting group. A good rebounding team. Uh, so keep your eye on the uh, – St. Francis uh, red flash as well. Uh, Mike, any teams that uh, you have uh, cashed in on? 
Yeah, you nailed it with Yale. I've also done well with Harvard. They gave a little bit back the other day. But the one that I've been locked in on here is Alabama. Alabama, 11-3 against the spread. I think they've covered something like nine games, eight games in a row. They've been fantastic against the spread. They should have won against Florida, so they should be 2-0 and right now. They end up having Kentucky on Saturday away. That's going to be interesting, followed by, of course, Auburn at home. So, They've been really good. You mentioned it. Stony Brook's been surprising. I know that's out here on Long Island, so people may not know that across the country. But Stony Brook went up to Vermont and won the other night. And listen, Vermont is good. Anthony Lamb is one of the best players in the country you don't know about. But what happened is Stony Brook goes in there. They play defense. They have a couple bigs inside. They came back in the second half of Vermont, which no one does. And they're at 12-4 and four against the spread. So I'm curious to see tomorrow night, too, Butler. Butler's 11-4. and four. They've been really good against the spread. They blew the one against St. John's the other night. But they've been dominating there. They're going into the Dunkin' Donuts Center to play a Providence team that's scalding hot right now. But I don't know if I trust Providence enough to push them past Butler. So you named it. And, and one that last one I'll mention – you know, I watch a ton of games, man. I'm always watching games. I record them. I watch them 20 minutes here. I remember seeing the Citadel against Illinois, and I, and I marked it down, and I said, man, you know, the Citadel's a good – they shoot threes. They're a team that no one's going to think is good, that Vegas is not going to respect. And so I've actually been able to make some money off the Citadel. They've covered four games in a row. So, look, like you said, looking at the teams that cover, seeing if they're hot – and seeing if they're nationally recognized. You know, some of these, you know, Stony Brook was getting nine at Vermont. They won outright. You know, the Citadel is going to get like 20 points at Illinois. They can cover those games. So look for those small teams that have really good records against the spread, and then see if Vegas is giving them the respect. You talk about Northridge, too. Janae's tremendous. I mean, he's back in the fold. They haven't adjusted yet. I mean, they covered easily last night, and he's like 30 and 15 every night. Yeah, Citadel eight and three against the number. You know, Duger Backham has a an interesting team. You look at, I mean, put up 102 the other night at Longwood. I mean, 77 a game. You know, they're going to give up a lot of points, but for them, 85 points a game defensively is actually decent. I mean, they're usually a very good offense team, as you said. Chuck a ton of threes, so you know they're never out of a game, uh, which is interesting. They actually, I mean, they only lost by 12 to East Tennessee State, lost by nine to Georgia. Um, yeah, they're they're an interesting team. Couple other teams to keep your eye on. Um, you mentioned uh, Butler. That, that's going to be an interesting game tomorrow night. Uh, Tennessee State. Uh, they're nine and three against the number. Alabama keeps covering too. Alabama and overs seem like a uh, a big time play right now. Uh, keep in mind Rutgers as well. The caller mentioned that nine four and one against the number. But that Providence Butler game, you had to figure line, and I haven't seen the line yet. I, I'd imagine it's four four and a half for Butler. I haven't looked at it yet, but, um, you know, that's that's a tough spot for Butler. As you mentioned, I mean, they went to St. John's. You know what, man? I got it, I got it right yeah. here. I, I, it's supposed to be five, and I grabbed it already. It's only two and a half. Wow. I'll tell yep. you, man, Providence looks like a live dog in that game, man. That's a touchy number there. I mean, how many people are going to lay it with Butler, man? How many people are going to lay it with Butler? Watch, well, that right, line will right. be two tomorrow. Two tomorrow morning. Yeah, right now, right now, majority of bets are coming in on Butler, but the money's coming in on Providence. I don't know, man. I, Providence was a team that was very disappointing for most of the year, and now they're hot. And, I mean, this almost yeah. smells to me like it's a little too easy here. I, I know Butler's limited, but they've played very, very well, and Baldwin's not going to turn the ball over there against Providence. So I'm, right now I'm leaning Butler, but I want to see where that line goes. Yeah, you look at I, – I actually had them that night against Florida where they got absolutely destroyed. But you look at ever since then, I mean, beat up Texas, you beat up Georgetown. I and mean, that game was 
76-60, it was like a 30-point game at one point. So that final score was a little bit uh, – it wasn't really indicative of the, of the game. Mac McClung didn't play, though. Uh, beat up uh, – beat DePaul, beat them by one. That was a nice win away. And then uh, you won the other night. That, I'll tell you what, man. Um, A.J. Reeves was uh, really good the other night. Uh, he just kept making threes uh, in that game. He had a couple of them uh, late in the game, two or three late in the game. That was impressive. Anytime Marcus Howard scores 40 and they lose, that's rough. But So you're going to see where that line goes. I'm, I'm interested because Providence is really good at home, Mike. Yeah, they are, and they've played well. The McClung game I throw out because he didn't play. Yeah. But listen, they played very well, and winning at Marquette is very impressive. It's just, you know, when you study all these games like we do, you start to get a feel, you know, and, and it's like poker. you got to know the math. You have to look at the numbers. But in the end, sometimes it comes down to they have it or not. I'm starting to feel like the Providence wave is a little much. I, I feel like I think they've won like four in a row, couple on the road. They're flying high. It's almost like it's time to give them a little regression, and here comes a disciplined Butler team, you know, played there on the road at Baylor, should have won that game. It's the only game they've lost. I mean, I know they they were terrible in the second half against St. John's, but they did escape that game. I don't know. I'm getting a feel. Providence is flying high, but I feel like I'm in the Trading Places movie with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd trying to sell orange juice right now. That's the one that you got to try to figure out, and that's the key. Listen, maybe they keep rolling for a couple more games, but that's such an interesting game tomorrow night. Yeah, you really have to kind of, um, I think, wake up tomorrow and say, you know, and I think, you know, this is why it's important to look at games. You know, I, I think it's important to, to say, okay, you know, the number's two and a half now. If that game tomorrow is two, you know, or whatever, you know, th- th- there's something going on here for sure. So, um, you know, we'll keep that in mind. But, Mike, before we let you go, just up quick updates here. Gonzaga up 53-16 uh, on San Diego. Uh, ugly game for the uh, Toreros who are, are struggling. Uh, we will wrap this thing up, Mike. I know um, I usually want to have you on for 45 minutes. It went a little long tonight. But, Mike, uh, why do before you go, uh, tell everyone where they can find you, what you have going on. Yeah, guys, follow me on Randall Rand on Twitter. I'll get back to you right away. I'm on the Action Network. I'm going to start doing the Action Pod. Looks like next week there with Stucky and Colin Wilson, two fantastic guys. So check out my stuff there. Fantasy football, NFL draft stuff will pick up again soon once we get through here. But it's college basketball season, guys, best time of year. So follow me uh, on Randall Rand and Action Network as well. I never knew you were an NFL draft guy. We'll have to talk about that, Mike. I'm a – I'm a big fan of that. I do the first three rounds, so we'll have to talk about that. Mike, uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Uh, what, you know, I'll tell you what, we could probably do Tuesday next week if you're freed up. Maybe, uh, Tuesday's maybe good, do that. Yeah. Sounds, Sounds good, good. Man. Can't wait. All right, Mike. Good talking to you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, buddy. You got you got it, buddy. Yep. See ya. Uh Mike Randall uh, joining us here on the show. Always, i got to tell you, I love talking college basketball with him. All of our guests this week, Ian Cameron, Matt Cox, David DeMann, um, obviously uh, Mike tonight. Uh, All right, let's take one more break. Uh, We'll come back, and we will uh, wrap up the show right after this. for fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, 
Posters Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics too. Leave it to me, leave it to my opinion, the Big Men on Campus. I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Dottie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubSportsRadio.com. Again, to Mike Randall for joining the show. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, we are in overtime out in uh, Oregon. Uh, that game is uh, 70 to 68, two and a half to go. Uh, Oregon, Arizona, great game there. Uh, a fun one out uh, in that uh, area. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, big game, 17 points. I hadn't shot the ball well, but they're right in the game. Uh, it's good news. All right, we'll be back tomorrow night, guys, uh, here on the show. Uh, we'll go over some college basketball for Saturday. We'll definitely speak to Donnie Wrightside, who I know people enjoy uh, his NFL stuff. We'll go over the four games in the NFL. I want to make sure we uh, hit all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll wrap up the week with that. Uh, next week we'll uh, bring in um, all of our guests. Obviously, we might even have some new ones. So make sure you join us here on the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. I've enjoyed uh, the whole week with all the guests and all the people. So I hope you're learning something. Uh, Plenty of great college hoops chat as well. If you ever have any questions, you want me to get something on the show, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. The Big Man on Campus, we will see you tomorrow night.